0: off the ball daily a home for your favorite podcasts from off the ball the performance rankings you had to be there crappy quiz and a slight tangent
1: world cup b is growing on me (laughs) as a name (laughs) subscribe to the off the ball daily podcast feed right now
0: gaelic football on off the ball with aib proud sponsors of the gaa senior football championship check out hashtag the toughest for more
1: Now you're very welcome back. So we're going to talk GAA because uh, league finals, football finals, were on over the weekend, of course. So in Division 1, we had Mayo beating Galway by 14 points to 11. Dublin in the Division 2 final, four goals against Derry 4-6 to Derry's 11 points. In Division 3, it was Fermanagh 1-7, Cavan 16 points, comfortable winners. And then... Uh, poignant scenes after Sligo's 210 to 14 points win against Wicklow. The win very much dedicated to Red Og Murphy, the uh, Curry and Sligo player who had passed away, of course, on April 1st last year. To discuss, we are joined by Colin Boyle, four time All Star with Mayo. You're very welcome. So, how are you? So, any sense that Mayo might be celebrating a league win uh, quickly? uh Delta blow because of course in 5-6 uh, days they're taking on Roscommon at uh, McHale Park and uh, you know it's an amazing situation even I was listening to a commentary I didn't get to see the game live but there was talk in the last 10 minutes with a league final on the line about whether or not Kevin McStay would make substitutions with next Sunday in mind but this is the world that we're living in they got it done in the end what would you say about the game?
0: um not a classic joe by, by any stretch of the imagination um very very cagey um i was at the game and both teams kind of murdered each other's style um lots of bodies behind the ball lots of phases where there was long bouts of possession for for each team and almost during the bouts of possession there was almost silence in the crowd so there was very little flow to the game uh, 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 during during the stages of it and I, I think Mayo did just about enough. Um, although if you're Galway, you have to look at them five goal chances. And you think if if one of those goes in, it looks like it's a very different game, you know. And I think that's what Port Joyce be most frustrated. I think a frustrated a couple of things that they gave Mayo a bit of a start. You know, Mayo goes six one up. Galway are very edgy in that in that fifteen sixteen minute period. They um, they turn over the ball very easily. I think Mayo actually turned them over seven out of their first eight attacks. Galway attacks the only exception is Sean Kelly's fisted score which was actually a goal chance to John Maher um, it was Galway's first goal chance by John Maher which Colin Reap saved but um, after that then you know Galway settled into the game an awful lot more and you know May or what, what was working for them in the first 15, 16 minutes Galway got on top of that and uh we were probably finished the half. I would say the better team, even though Mayo go eight five up. So look at it. Probably comes down to goal chances. Very fine minded margin, fine margins in the game. But I think the goal chances that's what Corey Joyce will be looking back at today.
1: Well, if you said to Mayo before throwing, you're going to score four points from play today. Yeah, they wouldn't have been yeah. thrilled. It was that kind of an afternoon.
0: It, it was, and and you know another aspect to Joyce to look at is. You know, Mayo were going nowhere, and a lot of them attacks, and just a soft free, a soft foul, uh, by a Galway back, and it just led to Mayo getting a free, and I'm almost bailing them out of jail uh, to a certain aspect. I think possibly the referee um, gave a couple of handy ones, I would say as well. You know, which which didn't have the the cause for for Galway for sure. Um, but yeah, they'll be looking at them aspects. I think it was very noticeable that. Mayo's style of play during the league was all about kicking the ball, moving the ball at pace, um, but there was very little of that yesterday. It was it was pre-planned that they were hanging on to that ball. Even the runs inside weren't being made. They, they were holding the ball. The boys on the ball weren't looking up to kick it, really. Um, so it was very structured, very controlled, and they were just trying to get shooters on the ball, which wasn't really happening. I think if you look at it, like Rhino O'Donoghue, James Carr, I think they had only two shots in play between the three of them. And, and uh, out, out of the half forward line, only Jordan Flynn gets a shot away. So I think going forward for Mayo, you know, teams looking at that, the next day will we think, well, how do you frustrate Mayo? You do a goal with it, you drop off their kick out, you let them build slow attacks yeah, and you don't follow them. You know, and I think that's what Mayo will be looking at going forward.
1: Yes. How do we break down... Uh, numbers, which is difficult at the best times. But it, I mean, if you were to say to anybody, what do Mayo want? They want end to end. They want chaos. They want intensity. They want a high tempo game. Don't give it to them. It's that simple. Yeah. On uh, the Mayo goalkeeper, Colum Reap, he's 26 years of age. So he made three, if not four brilliant saves. What's it? You would know him, I presume, Colm.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was in the panel for the last year or two while, while I was there. He was kind of almost an understudy initially to to David Clark and and Robbie Hinley. We came in, and then obviously David Clark retires. Roy Byrne comes in, and he's still kind of floating around as third choice keeper. So between one thing or another, he's got his chance early on in the league. He was predominantly an outfield player during his underage career. Um, I think he won an Allaran Twenty One as a as an outfield player for Mayo, coming on as a, as a as a forward, a full forward. So. He's one of these players that's been converted uh, through his club, Knockmore, won a couple of county titles with them in goal, and he's developed on and, in fairness to him, had a really, really good game. There was that controversial moment, of course, with Johnny Heaney um, bearing down goal in the first half. Um, But besides that, his place kicking was extremely important yesterday. I was surprised Galway didn't put more pressure on his kickouts, just the fact that it's his first really big game in Cole Park. Just even for a few, push up, put him under pressure, see, test him out, see what he's like and try and win the ball up high. But they pretty much set off for the majority of the Mayo kickouts, didn't put him under pressure. But in fairness to Reap, he was striking the ball really well from play. I think he had three three shots from force or uh, efforts, which is vital in a game where Mayo were struggling to get scores. If people
1: didn't see the Johnny Heaney incident, it's one of <clears throat> these moments that happens in numerous sports. Uh, right back to the days of Schumacher, where uh, there's a ball between goalkeeper and player and Heaney got there first, had a stab at it. It was a really good effort on goal. It would have been a beautiful yeah. goal. And then he's taken out of it and reap the male goalkeeper would argue. Well, look, I, momentum and he's running at me and I'm running at him. And it's just one of those incidents. Pork Joyce was adamant. It should have been some kind of card and some mm. kind of free. What would you say?
0: You're right about that, Joe, and the fact that if it did go in, it would have been a super goal from Healy because yes, we were in the stand. And that, if that, that just goes past the post by a foot, that would have been a cracking goal on his behalf. I, I think you're right to a certain extent, and people will say this is me talking about my Mayo hat on me, but I think I think the collision happens and there's nothing either player can do to avoid the collision. I think what what happens after that is Colin Reeves almost reflexes and, and kicks and sticks out his leg after the initial contact has been made, which makes it look like a trip or a, or a takedown to a certain extent. So I, I think the referee got it just about right. I think what was interesting in it is how long he actually took. He didn't actually signal Anthony for a very, very long time. I think John Heaney might have been down for maybe a minute or 90 seconds. He's gone in and spoken to his umpires, and then he gives a free him, which was quite unusual. But I think I think in the grand scheme of things, it, um, he just about got it right. But a brilliant day for Colin Reed for sure.
1: So, uh, Galway have a few more weeks to play with in their preparation. Mm. They are All-Ireland finalists. Who's going to go further in this year's championship, Galway or Mayo?
0: Oh, God. Like, if Mayo beat Roscommon on Sunday, which is another task in itself, they're meeting again in, in two or three weeks in, in Salt Hill. So, I, like, if Mayo played each other, ten, Mayo and Galway played each other ten times, it could be a winner every different time. Mm. You know, it could be 5 that. There's very little to choose between the teams. Um, and I said to you a few weeks ago, Joe, we could be seeing this further on down the line, at a semi-final or a final between these two teams. So I think if you're a goal where you look at where they can improve, obviously, finishing their goal chances, number one, but, you know, the likes of McDade maybe coming back, Ian Burke possibly coming back into that team as well. It's it's so hard to call, Joe. It's so hard. There's nothing between these two teams. I think they're both right in the mix. I think that's one thing for sure.
1: Uh, Shane Walsh. just... Uh, it was a talking point last night, I saw, on the highlights. Mm-hmm. He And <laughs> I mean... This is a level of ability I can't even relate to. So he is taking freeze from outside the 45, outside the 50 with his Mm. quote unquote weaker left foot off the ground and then in the same match out of his hands and then with his right foot. And they were debating whether, you know, uh, like, should he not be doing them all off his right foot or what's the thinking or maybe in certain instances he's trying to ride the wind and 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 that's the thinking mm. of going left foot or right foot. You know in Crow Park, because I've I i could not figure out why he's doing it out of the hands, left foot and off the ground left foot. The grass is is is, I presume, cut so finely that there's no like grain into you or grain with you. You know like a golfer with the lie might affect whether they might go hands or or or, or off the ground. Basically I can't work out as to why he's doing what he's doing. And I, I I'm I'm searching around for any kind of theory here.
0: Yeah, you're probably asking the wrong man. Joe. Yeah, I, be, I know. I didn't think it was expert. in your wheelhouse. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I would be an expert on kicking on the ground. Of no, the watch one is interesting. Like, it, has there been a player ever that's do, been doing what he's doing, kicking from the ground as much from from both feet? I, I don't think so. I think I think what was crucial for watch is that he, you know, he missed a couple in the second half, which were probably easier than the ones in the first half because there was a bit of a breeze behind him in the second half. So you would have fancied him for a few more there, you know, so he probably will be disappointed. But you could see what watch. yesterday. The moments of brilliance weren't there, but I don't think he's anywhere near full tilt just yet. I think there's a lot more to come from him from a fitness point of view, from a sharpness point of view. The moments of magic, I think he too yesterday. But overall, he was curtailed fairly well, I would say.
1: Dublin-Derry then. Mm. Uh, Dublin scored four goals probably could have had five or six. Uh, a lot of people have pinpointed Conor Glass going off injured in the second half as decisive and Derry were also missing Chrissy McCaig and it's been well documented even by Rory Gallagher himself that they don't have a deep squad. They are they are threadbare and they need everybody fit. So that was that would be worrying if you're a, a Derry fan looking at a fairly arduous championship uh, season mm. ahead. But a, a bigger picture <laughs> Maybe it's because it was sunny as well. It really just copper fastened that sense that there is league football not in Crow Park and then there is Crow Park football. And uh, Dublin exposed Derry quite badly.
0: Yeah, it did. Um, from a Dublin point of view, encouraging that, you know, they were going for so many goals, you know what I mean? Um, almost to a fault, you know. They probably overplayed one or two of them, but, you know, it seems to have learned from that up in Celtic Park, what happened with Kilkenny goal mm. chance. Now they just seem to be ruthless. I think there's a couple of things in that. I think they know now that they need to be going for these goal chances, that they mightn't be hitting 19, 20 points from play. So they need to go for these goal chances. But overall, Joe, I thought it was a really, really poor game. A right. uh, re- really, really poor game. A uh, very low standard game. Like Dublin in the first half, four four scores from from 10 shots. Like, you know, that's almost unheard of from them. Um, they were bad, I
1: know I know. shot selection was criticised, I thought they were just more bad kicks than from like impossible yeah. places
0: yeah they were, it was just plur- like poor there was a tricky breeze, I think all four teams struggled a tiny bit kicking into the hill yesterday, there was a breeze coming in there and going down to the, to the canal end, I think all four teams struggled but I think Dublin Dublin, some of their passing in the first half, like they were trying to keep the ball a lot more, I think that was a, a ev- evident they were trying to kick it before the Derry fin- defenders could get back in but a lot of wayward pass and a lot of poor shooting. And what would have been interesting to me yesterday, if Derry had got that goal before half time. Lough- Nye Lachman has a great goal chance. It's very similar to the goal he gets in the Ulster final last year where he sprints out to the wing, doubles back inside, cuts back inside, and the ball gets floated over Michael Fitzsimons' head. It's a great smother by David Hanlon. But if if that ball goes in the back of the net, Derry are actually five up going in at time you know, then they come out at half time, Killian O'Gara gets the goal and, and Conor Glass goes off, off in the very next play. And Really, there's only one winner after that, Joe. But Dublin still have to, had to work for it. It took them about maybe 15, 20 minutes to, to break Derry down. But what you said about Derry, I think, is right. You know, I, I was very unsure about them before yesterday and I'm looking at them and you're talking about squad and you're going into a, a condensed championship and, and more games, you know, I just don't think when you think about last year they got to a semi-final against Galway, but they only scored one six yeah. in that semi-final. They only hit ten points in Croker yesterday. I don't think they've the system that's gonna allow them to get the scores, and I don't think there's the players that's that's gonna get the scores in the big, big games later on in the summer in, in Cro Park. And I think that's been very evident in the last two times they played in Cro Park. It's it's all good and well doing it on provincial grounds, but when you get into the big open spaces, you know, you're probably, it's, it's an awful lot harder. And obviously, when you lose players like Colin Glass, it's not going to happen. You need Shane McGuigan to be shooting the lights out, you know, and he was held fairly well yesterday, bare five-minute spell really before halftime where he hit two in a row. But, yeah, That's for Derry, you'd have to have concerns. And with the glass injury, it didn't look good at hamstring right at the start of the second half. So, you know, what kind of long-term effect that our effects that will have on him? You know, mm. I, I think from an Ulster point of view, if you're looking at Ireland containers, I think Tyrone are probably back in the mix. I'd have them ahead of Derry at the minute for sure going forward. Okay. And that Croke
1: Park point, because you would have experienced all manner of yeah. provincial grounds and you would have experienced heavy provincial pitches and then yes. obviously um, hard ground in Croke Park. Like the the styles you can implement, the tactics and the, the type of player, I mean, akin to horses on heavy ground and uh, hard ground, the type of players who who, who profit. Like it, it is night and day, I would presume, Colum. It certainly looks that way.
0: It is for sure. I look, at the certain t- players in that Derry team that will favour, obviously, the likes of Brendan Rodgers and, and obviously McGuigan, who would like the space. But if you're trying to keep a tight-knit defence, um, trying to keep things tight, you know, get numbers back. It's fine getting numbers back. But then when you have to try and break out every single time you have the ball where you almost your whole team has to break out together... Mm. That takes it out as time goes on. And it's been very noticeable, actually, even if you go back to the semi final last year against Galway. It's in the last 20 minutes they faded against Galway. Galway, you know, eventually broke them down, got out in front, and when Derry go behind in games, they seem to struggle. And it was noticeable last year in the semi final. They had to come out and play against Galway. They left the spaces in behind, Cormor got the goal. And again yesterday, once they had to come out and kind of attack Dublin and go at them, the spaces were left behind, and Dublin just picked them off.
1: This uh, Dublin we're going to need goals because mm. we're not as ahead of the pack as, there, as we used to be. Um, mindset is very interesting and, and I dare say you're, you're correct. That'll be my read of it too. The slippage in their standards of kicking, of execution, of, of skill set, I find that odd. Like I would think, you know, these guys are able to kick a ball well a couple of years ago. They should still be able to, but we are seeing a slippage. There's no doubt.
0: And do you know what, Joe? It could be just a pure confidence thing as well. You know what I mean? And I know that might sound mad to say from so many players that's been there and done that, but, you know, there's some of the players, it was average to say that, you know, to, to put it mildly, you know, it was poor mistakes, very poor turnovers. um, You know, Bosman kicks in that weren't really on and the execution itself was poor. But look, it wasn't all negative. But if, if I'm looking at Dublin and looking at them going forward, you know, obviously... You know, the players coming back, we talked about, I still have to have concerns that McCaffrey hasn't played much, Mannion hasn't played much. Are they going to be live 70-minute minute options in the championship? That That's a big concern if you're a Dublin supporter. Another thing I was trying to think about yesterday was, what's happened with Brian Howard? Like, how is he not pushed on over the last year or two? I know he's had a couple of injuries, but, like, Howard really should be in there with Finton and Conor Callan leading this team out, you know what I mean? And... For some reason, he's on the bench yesterday. I don't know, did he, did he get on or play much game time towards the end? But he hasn't played a whole pile through the league. And it's it's an interesting one when Dublin are struggling. you think he'd be in there kind of leading it out with Fenton and Conor Callan trying to pull it through. But yeah, look at Dublin. They're they're still in the mix, absolutely. We have this conversation every week, Joe, every second week. They're absolutely mm. still in the mix. But uh, there's, there's huge question marks all of them, for sure.
1: All of us are on Cluxton watch. So mm. now that you've probably had a bit of time to think about it, is he going into the team, do you suspect? Does he make them a better team? Do we know? What 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 is your sense of the situation?
0: Are you taking David O'Hanlon out at the minute? No, you know what I mean? Um, and That's my reading it. Okay, I would think I looked at it this morning out of the 18 kickouts, he, he had a dairy 1-6, you know, which on a dairy team that don't generally push high in kickouts, that probably is a, a fair amount to be losing, but that's not all down to him, obviously. Yeah. Um, he makes that great save just before half-time, like I said, which keeps Dublin in the game really. Um, so, my read on it is, I'm still I, I don't know. When you look, when you talk to the or when you listen to the ex-Dublin players like Paul Flynn and, and 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 Paddy Andrews saying it's the right decision, you probably have to edge with them and just the influence he's going to have in the dressing room itself. So. Look at time will tell. I think for David O'Hanlon, it's just the interest see how he handles this goes on because the pressure is going to be building all the time. It's grander in the league, but now there's going to be more and more talking, and people are going to be expecting him now to play in the championship. So time will tell.
1: Well, I think as well, what's difficult for him, and it's it's the, the case for keepers generally because their mistakes are highlighted. But he, on the mm. back of his mind, he must be thinking, "Am I one bad mistake away from Cluxton?" One hundred.
0: That's a 100%. horrible 100%.
1: high wire act.
0: Yeah, it is a high ball coming in. You're thinking if this if this goes wrong here, I could be sitting on the sideline. And that the, the reality is that's the position David O'Hallan's in. But look at I'm sure Jesse Farrell didn't take this lightly. You know, he, I'm sure he didn't take it lightly. And I'm sure with Cluxton, training with Cluxton can probably only make him better, mm. you know, even though he's under this pressure now because he, he, he is there. So it's going to be hugely interesting to see does this how does this work out? You know, oh. is Cluxton going to force his way in? And if he does what kind of Stephen Cluxton is it? it? A 41-year-old Stephen Cluxton can't be the same as the player who dominated GAA, you know, for the, for the 10 years previous before he retired. I, I just simply don't think he can be. So it'll be hugely interesting. And uh, yeah, it could, be, it could be one of the most interesting uh, parts of the championship. Could,
1: yeah. Because I think elder statesmen need competition for places to stay, stay mm. sharp. I think when you're a young lad in there, actually having a bit of space to flourish is important. And I, I just have images of O'Hanlon Arriving two hours early for training, and he arrives, and who's fucking there in the goal? Yeah, already. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> give me some breathing room here. Um, so, look, championship is here. London Sligo yes. Rice right Slip on Saturday. We have New York Leitrim Gaelic Grounds. We have Ulster Preliminary Round Armagh Antrim Athletic Grounds, and we have Connacht Quarter Final Mayo on the Sunday yeah. at four o'clock. So we are up and running. Uh, we'll chat to you, I suspect, uh, over the coming weeks. Colin, thanks, Mill.
0: Brilliant, Joe. Thanks, a Million.
1: Cheers. Colin Boyd with us there, four time All Star with Mayo. And Gaelic Football on Off the Ball is in partnership with AIB, proud sponsors of the Football Hurling Camogie All Ireland Club Championships. You can check out hashtag the toughest for more.